and welcome back to Kidman Talk. This is Carl Bastian coming to you from Kidology.org, and I have someone really cool with me in the studio. Well, virtually anyway. This is Sean Sweet from Four, Five, Six. And those numbers are very significant. They represent fourth graders, fifth graders, and sixth graders. The age at which you not only believe you can change the world, you actually can. And so we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about pre-teen ministry today. Sean is a guy that I have gotten to meet in person. I've gotten to walk over to Burger King at a conference and uh, talk about our passion for this age. And so today we're going to be talking about how to start a preteen ministry. Now, if you already have one and you're already familiar with four, five, six, um, you're going to get some new ideas. Uh, you're going to get sharpened. You're going to get challenged. But I'm hoping some of you listening don't yet have a preteen ministry and you're curious about it. So uh, sit back, relax. If you're driving, don't relax too much. Keep your eyes on the road. But we're going to talk Kidmen as we talk preteen ministry mm. with Sean Sweet. And it's our prayer that it's going to make a big difference in your ministry. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. All ready to go. We're going to talk Kidman. I always try to time the intro so, you know, the music's just... Oh, perfect. ...just ends right there. And, uh, wow, that's some, amazing. Sometimes, sometimes I bomb. Sometimes uh, it works out okay. But, hey, Sean, uh, tell us just real briefly about 456, what it is. And uh, without, you know, the long version, how, how did you end up starting this 456 ministry? I'm really excited about it. Well, I was overseeing uh, birth through fifth grade at my church. That was my position as I came in, overseeing all of it. And I had come from seven years of teaching fourth and fifth grade in the public schools. Um, and so I knew that these kids were different. Uh, and after several years of, uh, you know, praying and vision casting and being rejected by my senior pastor, uh, we were finally able to get the vision across to him and the board to have a preteen ministry. Um, but what I found was there was very little out there that supported preteen ministry. You know, there's great things like uh, like what you're doing, Carl, uh, Kidology, and there's there's a ton of resources for children's pastors and conferences for children's pastors. And a similar thing could be said for youth ministry. But at the time, 2008, when we started uh, our Elevate, which is our preteen ministry, um, there was nothing that I could find uh, out there, very, very little out there. So we decided we would start something and try to draw together people who were doing preteen ministry at their churches. Um, out of that, uh, Patrick Snow from Superstarts Christ and Youth uh, said, hey, let's, let's, do this, um, let's do this thing. And we called it 456. Since then, our church has taken on uh, this as a ministry of Destiny Church. So 456, it's all spelled out, F-O-U-R-F-I-V-E-S-I-X dot org um, is the place to go. And it's a resource, it's a curriculum, it's um, support, it's community, it's training, everything for pre- everything to help raise the value of preteen ministry. And Fantastic. so that's what we're all about. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, I know that I was a preteen when I got involved in ministry and I've run my kids church with preteens for my whole ministry. Uh, you know, that's an age, as I said in the intro, they believe they can change the world and they can. Like One of the that. reasons I'm so passionate about preteens serving in church is that we, and I've done other podcasts on this, I'll link them in the description. You know, we often are frustrated in ministry 
that we say, you know, these grown-ups just come to church and they don't serve. Well, we train them as kids that church is a place you come and watch, and then we wonder why when they get older, they just want to come to church and watch. And we can train them as young people that church is a place you come and do. And so when they become adults, they come to church and go, you know, where where can I volunteer? So uh, we could preach all about, you know, how important preteen ministry is. But I, I suspect those who are watching this, uh, they already know that. But they, they're kind of like, hey, what, what do I do? So I want to tap into your expertise on how do you start a preteen ministry? My first question was, what is that age? Maybe your name already defines that, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade ministry. What what age is that? How, how do you define that when people say, well, what exactly does preteen look like? Yeah, so it really is a developmental thing. So, um, you know, uh, around 9 to 12 okay. is when um, we see that, that age, that preteen age. So if, if you're trying to, you know, say, oh, well, can we do a, a third grade preteen ministry? Not really. Okay. Uh, you might have some girls that are that are there developmentally, um, but even the, even so, it's it's uh, it's really it's a developmental thing. And until uh, their minds are able to do certain things, uh, you can't really do the things that we feel preteen ministry. Um, you know, the purpose of preteen ministry can't really be lived out in, with second graders or first graders. So if a church uh, puts their sixth graders in youth. Uh, middle yeah. school, we can debate that another time. It'll be yeah. fourth and fifth. Correct. If they don't, uh, it might be fifth and sixth, but it's in that envelope of fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Right. And, it might uh, be just your fifth graders. It might so, be just so your sixth graders. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Uh, I'm a kid's pastor, and, and, and I probably am one of those who says, but I like having all the kids, you know, and you, what you want to hire a preteen guy and you're going to take away my favorite kids. So, uh, push back on that and say, why, why have a preteen ministry? Why take those kids out of the kids ministry and put them in a separate class or meet on a separate night? Um, why is it important? Why, why would you say, no, a church needs to do this because it, it is different. It is unusual. It is breaking from the tradition of preschool, children, youth. Why add another whole category? Some people are going to stress out and go, oh, Sean, come on. I've got preschool. I've got kids. You're, you're giving me another whole thing to do. Why, why is that important? What, what's, yeah. why, why is the need there in today's world and today's culture? It's a great question. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because when I first started, we did have first through fifth grade all together in the gym. <laughs> and so we had uh, kids who were, you know, six and kids who were 11, uh, in the same, in the same room. And it was nice to have that much energy and to have those kids all together. But what I started realizing is that, um, it's not just that they're thinking about different things. It's that they're thinking differently. Uh, and so you can try to, uh, have a message or have a program, uh, that's, that's reaching all these different age levels, but I liken it to having, um, a service where you have kids speaking two different languages and you can do that, right? You can, you can say it in one language and say it in another and then back and forth and, and use object lessons that both understand. And But isn't it uh, more effective to be able to speak directly to the fourth and fifth graders or fifth and sixth graders, your preteens, 
and engage them 100% at the level that they're at and then do the exact same thing with the first through third graders. When you have them together, you're having to compromise one or the other in order to really, um, in, in order to speak to all of them. So I think there are some benefits in having the kids all together. But for us, as we were looking at it, the, the downside was just too, it was too great. It didn't, uh, it didn't make up for the, you know, we, you get great energy when you have more kids in the room, right? So and, do I hear you saying this isn't just a capacity issue where no. you get to where you have so many kids you need to split them. I hear you saying this is a developmental issue. So it isn't just, Absolutely. oh my goodness, we've gotten to where we have 80 kids in first through fifth. We need to split. So let's split the preteens off. You're mm -hmm. saying, no, you might have 20, 30 kids. I still think you should split the older kids off. I think even if you have five, there, there, are, there are things that you can do with five uh, that you're just not going to be able to do in a children's ministries context if if there's uh, if there's not a specific ministry for those preteens, um, and and it's interesting because I know people right now are probably going, oh well, we don't have space, and we don't have the staff, and we don't have the this or the that. Um, but I really feel like uh, whatever the context, there's probably something you can do to minister to those preteens. And and Carl, if I could, let me let me let me say why that's important. Yeah, uh, preteens are moving from concrete thinking they're taking their first steps into abstract thinking and what that does uh, there's this great episode of brain games i don't know if you've ever watched that that show brain yeah. games and they look at you can find this on youtube if you type in tween brain brain games um, you can pull up this episode and what they do is they look at developmental ages and here's what here's what they see is happening in the preteen brain you add this with uh you know the whole idea of moving into abstract thinking and you get a picture of why you need preteen ministry. Here, here's what's going on for them. They are starting to be able to test possibilities and test things in a way they couldn't before. So uh, on Brain Games, they ask a bunch of younger kids, uh, you know, like first graders, kindergartners. They say, is it safe to swim with sharks? And the kindergartners and first graders go, no. And then they ask a bunch of adults, is it safe to swim with sharks? And the adults go, no. But then they ask a group of preteen girls, is it safe to swim with sharks? And the girls go, hmm, well, I don't think they're naturally going to attack you. Uh, and they start talking. They start having a whole conversation about it, right? They're, test they're not, no longer just accepting what we say. Uh, they're moving just mentally. They're able to test hypothesis in ways that they weren't before. Mentally, they're able now to move to abstract thinking like they weren't before. They're able to reject moral truths that that they decide no you know what i'm going to test that and poke holes in that myself yeah it really is an exciting age because this is where they are taking their first steps of faith ownership and i'm not saying that a first grader can't have a relationship with christ they can it's it's just different developmentally it's a very different process for a fifth grader to have a relationship with christ um, and a great story from the Bible, Carl, about this is uh, Samuel. Samuel grew up where? He grew up in the temple. So he knew all about God. But if you look at the beginning of that chapter where God calls Samuel, it says he did not yet know the Lord. Yeah. Now, how is that possible? It's because there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Kindergartners, first graders, I have a second grade or a third grade son. He just started third grade. 
uh, he knows about Jesus, but knowing him personally for himself and having a faith that is his own, that's a process he's developmentally not ready for yet. He just doesn't have the, the, the uh, physiological skills to be able to, to do that. It's just, it's straight wired into our brain. And it's part of God's design that we reach an age where we call it a four, five, six. We need to let go of the bike and run alongside. Yeah, that's why you always have a bicycle in your booth. That's uh, right. At the conferences, you know, and it's also giving them permission to start questioning. Absolutely. And asking tough questions. One of the things I appreciate about my dad during that stage of life is that I would get into arguments with him uh, and we would be discussing things. And sometimes he would say things. I was like, no, dad, I would get into a big argument and I'd mm -hmm. be, you know, throwing Bible verses at him. And then at the end, he'd say, OK, you're right. I'd be like, what? You agreed with me the whole time. He's like, well, yeah, but I wanted to I wanted you to flesh that out on your own, you know, and that healthy conversation. But, you you know, you can't do that when the younger kids are around because you don't want to confuse the little kids. Oh, it's um, so confusing for them. Yeah. So providing that safe space uh, and permission, um, it, it requires a safe space to do right. that. In. So um, so those listening probably are like, OK, I can see that. Uh, maybe that happens on Sunday morning. Maybe that happens um, at a different time. Maybe it's a weeknight. Maybe it's a Sunday afternoon or something. So uh, for someone who comes into your booth or they're listening to this podcast and they're going, okay, I want to do it. We right now, I don't see the space. I don't see the time. I don't feel like I have the leaders. What's their next step? How, yeah. how do they go about starting a preteen ministry when they feel like they're the only one that sees the need? Right. And I think that you just said a key thing there, and that is seeing the need um, and not just it being not just you that sees it. Um, and so I, the, the first thing, of course, is, is praying about it and asking God to give you a vision. Uh, and there's so many things that God showed us the way for, for us personally. Like I said, I was over birth through fifth when I first started and we had first through fifth all together. When I first presented the idea of a preteen ministry to my senior pastor, he's like, no, that's not going to happen. Um, but I had a vision of what that could be. And so I think that's the first step is really developing a vision of why it's important. And, you know, I'm praying right now for people listening to this. I'm praying for, for churches all over the United States that a fourth, fifth, sixth grader would come into your ministry that would help you to understand why they need something different than a first grader would need. Even that same kid needs something different at fifth grade than he needed at first grade. And so I think really developing a passion and a vision for it, and then figuring out how to communicate that to other people. Uh, one thing we want to do uh, with 456.org is just help uh, validate the need for preteen ministry. One thing that helped us as we were getting started was uh, this program called Superstart that Christ in Youth does. Superstart travels the country. They do weekend events for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, um, and it's called Superstart. Patrick I've Snow been to heads, one. Heads like, on Kidology, yeah. I've visited one, and I, I kind of wrote what I called a Kidology Spotlight. I'll link to that. Uh, amazing event. Can I tell you, though, that was the catalyst for us because when I was able to point my senior pastor and say, hey, there's this event, it really it still, it helped to kind of create a validity in his mind that, okay, maybe this is a thing. Um, when you can start pointing to other churches that are doing it and visiting them 
and say, and you know, you just mentioned things like, Hey, I just went to go visit uh, the church down the street to see what they were doing with their fourth, fifth or sixth graders. Um, you know, that can, it, it is your name dropping and, and trying to bring a validity to it for your leadership at your church and helping them to realize, you know, give them the research. Or start There's, with events. You know, we did a, uh, yes. we don't currently have a preteen ministry. We're in that stage. Uh, some leaders that we had moved on. And so we're kind of looking for those leaders, but we're still hosting some preteen events. Um, a couple months ago, we did a Nerf Wars. And uh, you can go to kidology.org slash Nerf Wars. I put up pictures, all of the graphics. I linked all the Amazon stuff that we bought. So you can do your own Nerf Wars using everything that, that I did. Um, several people have, have used it. But it was a great outreach. We got so many kids. They brought their friends to Nerf Wars that they might not initially invite to church. And we actually got families to join our church and come to our church because of the Nerf Wars. And uh, not that my pastor needs to be sold on preteen ministry at this point, um, but an event like that can be a great sell to the leadership because you can say, look, man, I did this preteen event and we had 20 guest kids come. Imagine if we had a preteen ministry yeah. in a weekly. And so maybe you start with some preteen events. And, and I was going to say, that's another way of validating it, right? Because I think the first thing is you got to validate it in your mind and validate it in other people's minds. Surround yourself with the research on this age. Uh, there's an AMLE article, American Middle Level Educators article that looks at 10 to 15 year olds and looks at their development. And that really, that article is a, like, a, you know, you read through that and you go, yes. Is yes. that article on your website? It is, yeah. If, if they go to 456.org and just search AMLE um, on there, it should pull it up. Okay. Um, but we'll, there, we'll put a link to that in the description, in the notes. Yeah, so for us, we were able to start a preteen ministry because we had people like Patrick Snow and you know we had articles and we had all these things that brought validity to it. And then like you're saying, Carl, then you start you know, doing things like have an event. And if you have 30, 40 Kids show up, or preteens show up when you're used to having 20, uh, yeah. you know, uh, then all of a sudden you're able to say, hey, this this is a thing. <laughs> yeah. And preteens are, are so interesting because deep down they know they're different. Uh, they may not understand why, but they, they're sitting there with the first graders and they feel yeah. different. They really do. And so when you say, hey, we're going to have an event just for the fourth and fifth graders, they go, somebody gets it. Yeah. Somebody understands. I don't want to be around the kindergartners and first graders. I'm right. I'm cooler than they are. Yes, and by having it outside of a Sunday morning, you're also doing something which is really powerful for preteens, and that is giving them choice. Because now it's not like I'm attending because my parents are bringing me. Now they're they're going. Okay, is this something I want to go to or not? Right. Yeah. It's and that's the kind of in, things that engage preteens is like giving them choices. And like you've talked about leadership, I'm sure you didn't uh, force every fifth grader to be the fiddle player or, you know, <laughs> but you said, Hey, there's this leadership thing and they're all about it. Right. You yeah. say, who wants, who wants to serve? And they're like, yeah, I'm in, count me in. Well, uh, and, and on my kids crew, um, they actually had to complete an application. They had to get references. Yeah. For these kids, it was the first time in their life they ever had to go ask for a reference. And I had, Times where kids, the references came back. I, Carl, I don't know that you want this kid on your crew. You know, uh -huh. they they kind of misbehave and stuff. And it was the first time they ever got a bad reference. 
Uh. And they realized, oh, the way I behave over here can impact an opportunity over here. And and that's a powerful life lesson Mm -hmm. um, where like, oh, I need to think about consequences, you know, because they were like, oh, well, you know, I don't like that teacher, but I like this teacher. So I behave good here and I don't there. And, um, and so we, be, it, it, it's these growing up experiences that, that can be really powerful. Um, so, uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, it gives them responsibility. Uh, I call it, um, validating, um, oh, what's the phrase I use? Um, when I go to a kid and I give them leadership, I say, it's kind of like, I know that, you know, that I know that, you know, that you're cool. Like, Right. Like when we do the worship songs, I say, you know, and their kids stuff, I say, you know, I don't sing these songs at home in the car. You know, I've got Caleb on, I've, I've got, you know, the message on, but you know, so I'm not expecting you to like the kids stuff, but I I'll tell them, you know, the little kids, they don't look up to me. I'm an old guy. They like me. They think I'm funny or cool, but they don't want to be me when they grow up. Mm-hmm. They want to be you when you, when they grow up, yes. because they look at you as the next stage. And right. so they, they, you need to be setting the example. And they see like, oh, I'm the example, not not these grownups in the room. Um, it's oh, honoring the ego. That's the phrase I was looking at. Uh, uh, I, I say I, it, it honors their ego when you give them some leadership and some status uh, at, as a leader. And if you add that with some T-shirts and hats and stuff that's, uh, you know, the preteen logo, the preteen, it's, you know, uh, maybe this is a horror. There we go. Maybe, maybe this is a bad analogy, but you know, in the inner cities, kids gravitate toward gangs. And the reason is they want an identity and they will gravitate toward a negative identity to meet that need. Um, but we can give them a positive identity and a positive group culture in a preteen ministry so that they don't have to gravitate to meet that need in a negative way. Um, right. And so it can be really cool. So, uh, so I hear you saying, cast the vision, pray about it. Um, start talking to people. In fact, if you have parents, if you have a challenging kid, preteen kid, who's not clicking, not getting in, you know, you have a parent come to you saying, you know, my kid, you know, they, they don't want to hurt your feelings, but they're like, you know, my kid doesn't really like the worship. You know, he's not really into your puppet, you know, and your skits and, and, and I've had that happen with me. They're, they're kind of like, they're afraid I'm going to be offended. I'm like, hey, I get that your fifth grader doesn't like Gus. You know, he's too mm-hmm. old for Gus. And my response has been, you know what I'd rather have is a, is a preteen ministry for your son. Would you be a part of, of, would you like to be a part of a steering, if not leadership, a steering committee or a prayer team? Um, because it might be the dad of that boy could end up being the leader of That's a preteen right. ministry. You know, and yeah, say, you yeah. don't have to be the teacher. Would you be the cool dad? Um, and for that Nerf night, I had so many dads there because they they wanted to shoot Nerf, shoot Nerf guns. You know, I mean, you look at the pictures from my Nerf night, you'll see all these dads with the bandanas. And, <laughs> you know, were they were they helpers or were they participants? You know, it, it was a pretty fuzzy line. Maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. And so I think once you do that, you know, Carl, once you kind of have that vision out there and you're you're like, garnering the I, i'll say it again the validation in in everybody's mind that hey this is a real thing then you just have to pull the trigger you have to take some steps and go for it even if you don't have all your questions answered you don't know where the space is going to be what days you're going to meet how this is going to affect what you know all these questions like when i left uh, my home this morning to come here i didn't wait for all the lights to be green 
I just, I just started going. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I think at some point you just have to take a step. And for everybody, that's a little better analogy than the jump off the cliff and build the wings on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> that one scares people. I, that's what I always say. I like yours better. You didn't wait for the green light. So it's a little <laughs> less scary than jump off the cliff and build the wings on the way down. So, um, so what, what does it look like? Give people a vision down the road. So okay. they've, they've, uh, they've taken, instead of jumped off the cliff, they've started down the road. They've got some leaders. They've got a room. They've come up with a cool name and a logo and all that. Um, they're six months into it. It's not perfect. Right. So they're, it's not three years down and it's humming. Yeah. Six months into it, just give them a rough sketch. What, what might it look like? What might a preteen ministry look like? Okay, so I think a lot of churches are going to be different. Uh, some are going to be, we're meeting with our preteens on Friday night every other week, and we have a specific curriculum for them or events that we're doing for them, um, and it becomes something that doesn't compete or doesn't impact your Sunday morning or Wednesday nights or whatever. It's, it's a separate thing that you're doing just for them, kind of like a, you know, a youth night. Uh, and you might even do it on a youth night if you have, hey, the junior hires and high schoolers meet on Thursday nights or, you know, or whatever you, you might add that. Parents so, might like that because it's one trip in the car to church. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, that, but for others, you'd be like, okay, we're actually going to do this. We're going to have our own class on Sunday morning. Um, so the ones that I've seen succeed, there are a couple elements that they are engaging preteens in, uh, no matter whether it's a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever it is. Oh, you're getting your, your paper out. Awesome. I'm, right, I'm writing this down. <laughs> okay. So the, the first thing that I would say is that is something I've already mentioned, and that is that there's choice, uh, that there is choice. And along with that, the second thing is power. And I'll explain what I mean by those in just a minute. Um, and so, but uh, the preteens, uh, I told you our ministry is called Elevate. That name came from the preteens. So we asked them for name suggestions I like as, as we were getting ready to launch. In my kids' crew, they designed the logo every year. Yes, and they, exactly. I mean, I did the final thing. They did sketches. They weren't necessarily artistic, but they, uh, we had a theme verse, but they, uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, Romans twelve eleven. But they awesome. designed the logo every year, and then I would kind of give it to an artist, but they felt like they designed that logo, and they loved that. Right. And so, you know, it might even be like, what, uh, what topics are we covering? It's based on the questions that the kids ask, or you put before them, here are five things we can talk about this next season. What, vote on which ones you're most interested in. And like that's it. what we'll be talking about. Choice, so you're giving power. choice and power. Yeah. And even in, you know, as simple as response station, how they respond to the message, we do a message and there's like five ways of responding. Now, how are you going to respond? It's up to you. Cool. Because uh, with preteens, it's like if you give them one way of responding, they're they're looking for alternates. That's you know what. <laughs> so they're gonna go. So you're you're giving you know, them a, ch a way to rebel with, but in a way that's uh, not rebellion. You know. You're, right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. If you if you want to write, maybe you're more of a sporty kid. You know, we got this over here. There's Legos. You can build something over here if that. You got, uh, you know, a way of writing over here, or if you just want to sit quietly and listen to the song that's playing and look at the words on the screen, you know, so lots of different ways so that every kid feels like they're making a choice and they have power over how they're engaging with the ministry. Um, so choice and power. And there's a lot more to say about that, but I'll, I'll move on. And so the other thing and three, 
Uh, number three, I would say, is ask questions. In preteen ministry, we ask a lot more questions. Um, we you don't ask say, or the kids are empowered to ask? Both. That's number four. You're, you're, you're going to number four, Carl. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so number four is listen to their questions. Right. Uh, but as uh, we actually did a, a whole thing about uh, questions, it's like a four-part training thing. You know, Jesus asked so many questions, and he only directly answered like five or something like that. Yeah, one of my favorite jokes is the the uh, the rabbi student said to him, uh, Rabbi, how come every time I ask you a question, you answer with a question of your own? And the rabbi responded, why do you think that I do that? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and with preteens, there's a lot more ability to do that. And they're totally engaged by by that in a way that a first grader or second grader just isn't ready developmentally to do that. So um, instead of telling the kids the main point, like for tonight, we're getting ready for our midweek service and uh, we're going to talk about Jesus being born. But instead of telling them the main point of what that reveals to us about God, we're going to ask them. So what does this story reveal to you about God? And they write down their answers. And that's the small group time is them discussing what they what God's revealing to them and what they feel is the main point. Um, and then moving forward from there, that's not something I would I would attempt to do with with younger kids. But with fourth and fifth graders, you can start to ask them really meaningful questions and engage them in, you know, not just application, but in their observations and them teaching. Um, and so there's two questions we actually ask every Wednesday night. And one is, uh, what did God reveal to you through today's message or through tonight's message? And then the second question we ask is, what questions do you still have? And so when they uh, write that down, they, they write down what God's revealed to them and what questions they still have. I'm telling you, a group of even fifth grade boys can sit there and have discussion time for 15 minutes. They don't, you, your leader doesn't need a long sheet of like, ask yeah. this question, this question, this question. The boys will bring, and the girls too, they'll bring you know, things to share and things that stood out to them and questions that they have. Um, and they have lots of questions. Sometimes we'll set up a question box in the in the back of the room where preteens can write their questions about God and stick them in there. Um, and all of this is in, is part of that process of engaging them in their faith. Instead of just telling them about the bike, we're letting go and letting them feel it wobbly a little bit and yeah. figure out how to write it for themselves. Okay, so that's three and four. Uh, another thing, and you kind of hit on this earlier, is that you're making space for mistakes um, and unexpected happenings. And then along with that is number six, which is be prepared to confront doubt and misconception. Um, so I'll say those again. Number five is make space for mistakes and unexpected happenings. And number six is be prepared to confront doubt and misconceptions. As and you know, I'm going to put these in the show notes. So that if you're oh, listening great. and you're driving, don't feel like you have to, you know, Pull out uh, I'm going to type this up in the show <laughs> notes. We always have show notes at the bottom. Awesome. Uh, at kidmantalk.com. So cool. Yeah. And, and here's the thing the more you turn it over to the kids, the more you ask them questions or let them ask questions or involve them in leading. So, what know, does the night look like? Uh, obviously, yeah. you don't come in and get in a circle and get into a heavy conversation. Is there uh, a crazy game first? Yeah. Okay. And Good then, question. And then you communicate, then you tell a story in a creative way or you read the passage. How do you, how do you decrescendo? from the fun thing that gets them to come down to this meaningful conversation. 
Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, there's so much chemical going on in their brain. They got to stand up and move around, not just at the beginning, but throughout the message. Um, you know, there's times when we do worship, for instance, they come up to the front and they go and sit back down. They're not just standing up and sitting down, but actually the moving. They go to small groups, come back. So um, I can run you through um, a, like a Wednesday night model that we've used or a Sunday morning. And it does look different because at night the we found preteens energy level is different. And they're ready to engage in different ways than they are on a Sunday morning. Um, so let's see, uh, Wednesday night, we'd start with um, an upbeat, either dance or song or something to, as they're coming in the door, something that's, uh, that's fun and upbeat. And we don't do typically more than one song in a row. Uh, I know a lot of people will do like five worship songs in a set or whatever. We won't do that. We do like one or two, and then later on as a you response. Power piece. shuffle, cha-cha sling, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and there's some great Christian ones too, uh, or Christian artists who, uh, like LZ7 has a song called Strobot, which is really fun with strobe lights, and there's a whole dance that you can learn on YouTube for it, and our kids love it. Um, there's a, a guy out of England, uh, Governor B, and he he's a Christian. He does a song called Say Cheese. And the kids love it because they gather up and like hold a camera and take a picture of like a selfie. It's not a real camera or it could be, um, but they're like, we, and we've developed a whole dance around that song. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, so something like that is great. And then like a song like uh, I Like Bananas or, uh, you know, uh, Anchor by Revolution Worship or This Is Living by Hillsong, you know, something fun, upbeat. Then we'll go into, you know, hey, everybody have a seat. It's time for some announcements. And they all shout, announcements, announcements, announcements. Woo! They do like this thing. I don't know. Then they have a seat, and we go through our announcements. There's music playing in the background. Um, you know, so it's it's a very upbeat, fun kind of atmosphere. From there, we'll, we'll go into something we call our mystery challenge, where I'm, I need a volunteer, but you don't know what you're volunteering for. Um, so who's ready to take on the mystery challenge, whatever it is? Um, and so they'll come up to the front and the mystery challenge will, will tie to the message, but it's really, it's fun. So like tonight we're playing a game called mystery or secret identity and the preteens are going to come up to the front. They're going to write down, uh, something about them that is invisible, something about them that people might not know and probably wouldn't guess. And then we have another contestant come up who tries to correctly match the four secret identities to the four contestants. Uh, okay. by hanging it around their neck. Uh, that person has to wear a funny hat. And the only way they get to take that hat off is if they correctly identify the four people. Otherwise, they have to wear this funny-looking hat for the rest of the night. Uh, if they are correct, if they correctly get all four, then our, um, our creepy cr clown comes out and pies them all in the face, the four that... <laughs> so it's fun, it's upbeat, but we're also setting it up for this idea of there are things about us that are hidden. And that's okay. where the message is going, is that God reveals himself and nothing is hidden from him. Okay. Um, so it's a fun, upbeat, crazy game, but it's going to tie into the message. So then we, we set it up uh, with something that any kid can do in small group time. Um, okay. And so tonight we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. So we go straight from that game into Two Truths and a Lie. Now you're going to go to your small group, get to know people, and you're going to play this game, Two Truths and a Lie. Uh, and they tell two truths and one lie, and people have to figure out which one is the is not true about them. Yeah. So again, we're setting them up for the message, but it's still it's very you know a kid who's never been to church before, they can engage with with what what's going on. Um, so so a good segue probably to my next question is yeah. Some people listening are going, 
That sounds awesome. I could never come up with that. Yes. So the next question is, Sean, please tell me there's a curriculum <laughs> for preteen ministry. And yeah. you've, you've had some pretty exciting news recently because you've been working really hard on developing a preteen curriculum that, uh, that you've just released. Yeah. Well, we, um, we launched Elevate, our preteen ministry, in 2008. And since then, we have been developing what does that look like? What do services look like yeah. for that age? The last two years, uh, we took some of the, you know, the, the best of Elevate and had other people try it out in their churches with great response and great success. And we've taken that. We called that our beta testing year, beta testing years. And we had something like 40, 50 churches. Uh, we even had one in France that was really interested. And so they translated everything into French. Wow. Uh, and then, in, in, uh, you know, we got like Canada, some churches in Canada, but mostly did they, the did they translate it into Canadian? They did. And, uh, and so the, then, oh, I'm going to get some heat for that. Oh my, <laughs> sorry. Well, no, no, I was saying a as in, you know, C A N A D A. Okay. So, uh, anyway, so we tried it out and just September here, it's coming up in two weeks. We are launching this curriculum to be used by churches across the country. Uh, and what's really fun is we did some experimenting in the last two years when, when there's other preteen ministries and we're doing it at the same time, there are things we can do together. So in the first series, we're doing a worst preteen singer contest and all the ministries that are using this, it ties into the message, I promise, but the, all the preteens that are using this, they're sending in the winners, their local, like worst preteen singer from their ministry. And then the kids get to vote globally on who the it's like American Idol kind of thing or, or the voice or whatever, but they're voting on the worst preteen singer and the winning ministry gets to have a pizza party uh, for their entire preteen ministry. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So we do things Are you just like using uh, YouTube or they submit it on YouTube. It, they submit it through. We have a website. Uh, it's uh, worst preteen singer.com and they'll submit their, uh, they'll submit their videos there once, you know, once the, the September hits. Um, and then, yeah. And then we put it out. We put, we have these little videos. We got this guy with a fake Australian accent. His name so is it's called roots, right? Oh, it's called deeply rooted, deeply rooted, deeply rooted. Yeah. And, uh, so is it, a, is it a weekly, uh, lesson? Yeah. It so has the large idea, group, small group. What, what does it look like? What's the scope and sequence? Give, give me the quick sales pitch. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, it's a two year scope and sequence and we took three things that we feel help preteens to own their faith. One is experiencing God. The second is being transformed, not just applying, but being transformed by their theology. And then the second is discipleship, giving them skills so they can draw closer to God for themselves. And each quarter has a month that's focused on each of those three things, and they build on each other. So over the course of two years, uh, preteens will move into really not just knowing about God, but knowing God okay. and being being able to um, you know live out their faith, and be transformed by the truth. Um, so that that's kind of it, Carl. It does have large group. It has small group. It's been used in so many different. Um, we give over three hours of content for each lesson, and so people they can, they can mix and match and mix adapt and match. And... Yeah, and we give suggestions like, hey, if you have a forty minute service, here's what we suggest. If you have a two hour service, here's what we suggest. Awesome. Um, but uh, people will pick and choose and make it work for their context. Um, and Fantastic. then we have, 
We have well, training that you, goes along with You are well, such so. a blessing to uh, uh, these you. kids, uh, churches that are trying to target this age. It's so important. Uh, as we wrap this up, do you have a final word, final challenge, humdinger story to just hammer it home? I just want to give you that final chance uh, as, as we get ready to wrap this up. Absolutely. Uh, I think this story kind of helps uh, me to understand why preteen ministry is so important. There's a kid, um, I'll call him John, that's not his name, but John was totally unengaged in fourth grade when he first came in, and he just wasn't having it. We did a night about Jesus as a preteen, and the kids had a chance to write their questions, you know, what is God revealing to you, and what questions do you have? And when they sat down in the small group, I was filling in for a small group leader that night, so I was sitting there with John, and somebody in his group, another preteen, asked, do you think Jesus had any friends? And this kid, John, or, so instead of saying, trying to answer his question, I do what I do with preteens. I said, well, what do you, you know, what do you think? He didn't have an answer. So I said, does anybody else have any ideas on this? And uh, John says, I don't think he did have friends because when people are different, people don't like to be their friend. And I'll tell you what, I saw a change in John after that night because he realized he wasn't talking about Jesus. He was talking about himself. Yeah. But Jesus was there with him. And he made a connection with Jesus that he had never made before and would not have made wow. without us making space for preteens to do what preteens do, which is to test, hypothesis, hypothesize, and start to own their faith for themselves. That's what I would encourage you is give your preteens a space where they can start to take steps of faith ownership for themselves. That's awesome. You know, to get, make Jesus not just these cute Bible stories that they're learning as a kid, but like for Johnny, Jesus becomes real. He becomes somebody that loves them, cares about them, and, um, and, and it, someone that really knows them and cares about them. And that they need a place for that to become real. So be sure to check out 456. That's 456spelledout.org. On Kidology, we have a preteen zone that you can check out, kidology.org slash preteen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes, and um, I'll see you on kidology.org. Thanks again, Sean. Thank you, Carl. Don't wait for all the lights to be green. Hey, man, that was awesome. Is that good? That was good for me personally. You're making me want to jump off the cliff and just <laughs> do it building. all by myself. I, and, I, I'll tell the leader sometimes, Hey, we're, we're building this bridge as we cross it. <laughs> yeah. That's another, that's a, that's see, that's safer. I, I've always said, you know, my personality is to jump off the cliff and build the wings as I go. And then I'm like, why, why does nobody jump with me? <laughs> so you have some much better analogies because uh, at least if you only build a bridge halfway, you, you can just sit on the end of it, you know. <laughs> right fish. My, my analogy has a much worse ending. <laughs> I don't know where I ever picked that one up. So maybe more people will join me now if I, <laughs> if I just sit at a red light, sit at the end uh -huh. of the bridge. That, that's not as bad as hitting the bottom of the canyon with, with the wings not built. <laughs>